Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode. How are you both, Georgia and Molly? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yep. I'm great. Starting yep. work this week? I am. Yep, Woo-hoo. I am. I'm quite looking forward to it actually. Just um just something else to do, which is nice. Mm. You yeah. feel you feel okay about it? I do. I feel fine about going and I'm really happy with Layla's like the class she's in and things so yeah so it's really exciting for it you. is it's exciting like new chapter isn't it it yes. is yep it is very exciting I just went in today and I was in there for about an hour and a half just like watching and trying to take everything in and it just it seems like it'll be a lot of fun like pretty crazy at times but um sounds fun well it looks fun so yeah I'm excited Woo-hoo. so good yeah. How are you, Catherine? Yeah, good. After saying a while ago that I was struggling to, to find time to exercise, I went to a Pilates class this morning at six o'clock. Oh, oh my goodness. Go so I am hoping I can get back into morning exercise again. So mm. that was exciting. I even biked there as well, which is a first for me. Oh, wow. Good on you. It felt so nice. It's just really nice stretching, isn't it? You feel great when you've had a good stretch. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. God, and I feel like in Perth it would be like Bikram Pilates. <laughs> I thought you said it. Would be, I feel like in Perth it would be a bit grim. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh my gosh, yes, yeah, so hot. And actually, cycling was fine because I was cycling at you know six o'clock. But on the way back at seven, it was starting to pick up the heat a bit. I'm definitely like the least tanned person in the class, though. That's what I noticed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Need to get onto the uh, self tanning. So, what's on top for you this week, Georgia? Just Flo getting her first teeth. Oh. That just just came out of nowhere honestly like she's six months old obviously it was Mm. bound to happen but I was just like holy shit how are you not a newborn now yeah creating teeth yeah and I'm just I've said to you guys I'm just so worried about her biting my nipples because obviously with Harry I had well and truly finished my breastfeeding Mm. with him before he got teeth yeah so this is new to me so (sighs) any tips would be greatly appreciated because i'm actually like getting quite nervous about it oh don't be nervous just watch her like a hawk that's all yeah yeah Yeah. so do they does she change or like does she how will i know when i think like Oh, uh, with Layla, she kind of just like she'll slow down on the sucking, like the f- yeah. you know taking it in, and she'll slow down, and then she'll just you you'll notice a change in like what their mouth is doing, and then I'm like, okay, that's time to hop off now because if mm. I leave it any longer, she clamps. <laughs> oh, mm. Hector used to do it whenever he had a cold because he was all oh, blocked okay. up, and actually he does it if he's feeling unwell. He he'd chew on a dummy or something anyway so mm. he does it whenever if if I could see he was getting a runny nose I knew my nipples were in for a beating that week so that was Aww. which apparently it's quite common because they're blocked up right so they're just struggling to breathe whilst they're feeding the tip I was mm. given was push them their head rather than 
I did this the first time where I just pulled him off as he still had his teeth clamped round, which is <gasps> ow. Oh, that that was great. And I asked the lactation consultant, and she said, just shove his face really, like not painfully hard, hard into your nipple, so then he has to let go because it's not oh, very okay. pleasant. So I just push his head into my boob, and then he'd let go without okay. yeah but your instinct is to just pull them off isn't it yeah it is like yeah. to yell and be like no but yeah. it's probably not the thing to do <sighs> i'm pretty You'll sure when like when mila did it to me once someone was like you just yell at them out of just pure shock and i actually i screamed and she just looked at me and burst into tears <laughs> but i don't think she ever did it again so yeah yeah, right. I was talking to a friend about it, and she said that her son drew blood. Oh <gasps> God, that she was like, is and bad. now I'm finished feeding you. Yeah, <laughs> which is so fair enough. Yeah, the absolutely. things that you have to worry about, like having your nipples bitten. Just, I just kind of really thought that all the nipple pain would be over. Hey, maybe I'll keep my silverettes handy. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's a great shout. Oh, so she yeah. has her first tooth. Is it on the bottom? One of the front bottom yes, ones. It is. <gasps> they yeah. look so cute when they have those little bottom teeth when they smile, don't mm. they? Oh, Flo, so how is she six months? I know. What the heck? Yeah. This is how old Harry was when I got pregnant again. I know. Isn't that bloody weird? Like, I was thinking that the other week. I was thinking, oh, my God, Catherine and Georgia would have been, like, pregnant already at the stage I'm at. Like, that makes me feel physically ill. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Georgia, get back onto it. Oh, my gosh. How nice is it to just not be pregnant for a bit? Oh, so it's yeah. actually lovely isn't it <gasps> yeah i'm really enjoying just i mean i'm still feeding but i'm really enjoying kind of having my body to myself for a while mm, yeah i know what you mean makes a real difference isn't it to how you feel marley what's on top for you <clears throat> what's on top for me oh i've just in the last week and a half really we've been doing her layla's transition visits into um her nursery room at um preschool which is nice so i've just been you know doing that labeling everything how do okay you're gonna be the great person to ask this how do you label things well i know i have a really fancy label maker but i don't use that i actually get labels made for the girls and i have sticky labels and i have iron-on labels and i I only use the iron-on labels for things like sleep sack, hat, stuff like that. Not for clothes, but for clothes, I just use one of the Sharpie washable laundry markers and I just write the girl's last name through all of the clothes. So that's how I do that. (laughs) With Harry's, I just like find a biro or a vivid in the cupboard yeah. and I'm like oh McCarthy <laughs> then it washes and uh, sorry runs in the wash yeah the um the laundry marker from Sharpie doesn't wash off I bought the bloody sew-ons what was I oh thinking? yeah no and I, I spent weeks s- I know sewing them on and then they all just came off anyway what was yeah. I thinking well then they grow out of it so bloody quick anyway That's oh it. definitely so how how did Layla go, Molly? Oh, she's been great, honestly. She's just like the cruisiest kid. I just leave and she doesn't even care. <laughs> I'm really lucky with her. Like both of my girls have been really easy like that, but Layla more so. She never went through that funny phase of 
separation phase and you leave uh. the room and they cry. She just never did that. She just has never done it. So, um, yeah, I mean, she doesn't even get excited when she sees me again. She just kind of looks at me and like, keeps doing what she's doing. <laughs> so oh, yeah. So she really like yeah. I mean, and Ooh. she's literally right next door, so I can look at her through a window if I really wanted to. Yeah, yeah that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to have time to just like stand and stare at my child though. What's on top for you, Catherine? So what's on top for me is camping. Woo-hoo. We just bought a camper trailer last week oh my gosh yes which was so exciting and we're planning on bring it back to um bring it back to new zealand which should be cool so we decided to give it a test run because matt's never been camping before i don't know who oh my he God. is i know what? never been camping before ridiculous so I thought we'd give it a cheeky test run and we camped in our friend's garden (laughs) (laughs) over the weekend, which was so nice because we had a lovely dinner at theirs and then um, breakfast in the house as well and obviously used their showers. So (laughs) that was great. The only issue is, oh my gosh, have you ever towed anything? Mm. Not me personally, but my parents. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Reversing. Actually. Oh Yeah impossible yeah it was horrendous i had to drive around the block four times because i just kept screwing it up and people would be driving past and i had my friends there trying to guide me in oh it's so stressful oh it took maybe an hour to reverse it into the driveway oh Oh my god i know amazing for even trying that i wouldn't that is not even my job i that's not in my (laughs) job description that is something i would outsource to zane i wouldn't even try (laughs) well again this is i feel like i'm just sharing lots of things about matt but he also hasn't been driving for very long so he only got his license i know i remember you saying when he moved to new zealand right yeah he only got his license about five six years ago and do you know the funniest thing? I remember you saying when he first got it that he like put so many dents in your, your car because oh. you were like, oh my God, he's driven for like three weeks and there's so many dents and scratches <laughs> on the car. So many dents. Oh my God. <gasps> when it came so to the reversing car, the... a trailer is way oh my God, out of like way, way. <laughs> so obviously I went and got the trailer and reversed it. Yeah. In, but oh it was really hard work i've been watching a lot of youtube videos about how to do it and they make it look so easy so if anyone has any tips send them on but yeah it was so much fun and i've got really cocky after one night in our friend's garden i've booked three um three camping weekends for later this month oh (laughs) nice oh that's so nice for you guys to do like great way to explore a new place too yeah definitely i'm a bit nervous about the snake and spider situ but we are off the ground so i'm hoping it'll be okay yeah it was it was so much fun the boys slept really well until the birds woke up at five which was good and they they absolutely loved it so if anybody has any good tips for camping with kids i'm sure there's so many things that i need to know and i don't so please do you guys have any good tips no i haven't been camping with my children that's like on my bucket list of things to do by the end of the year i'll be asking you for tips yeah we haven't been yet either but definitely keen to hit the beaches so that's what's what's on top for us so this week we have such a cool episode don't we we do oh such a great chat honestly i feel like we were just laughing 
the whole yeah. through the whole episode. Let's get cracking with our chat with Sarah from Rootachment. Enjoy. Today we are so lucky to have Sarah Horn, an incredible doula, on the show. Sarah is better known as Rootachment on Instagram, which describes her approach of combining routine and attachment through her work as a doula. Sarah is also a mum, partner, educator, and a newborn mum's postpartum professional. She is a wealth of knowledge and we cannot wait to learn from you. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Sarah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Kia ora everyone, my name is Sarah and I am a postpartum doula in the Bay of Plenty. Um, in, I'm based in Tauranga. Um, I have a partner named Ricky and I have two natural children. So I have Jackson who is 20 and Sailor who has just turned three. Yeah, I've got a background in education and this has always been something that I really wanted to do but I wasn't even sure if it was a thing, so I made it a thing. Amazing, good on you. What gave you that final push to just go ahead and and become um, a doula? When I had Jackson, I was really young. I was 19. And um, I had my family really rally around me as a single mum. My mum took some time Mm -hmm. off work. Of course, she's a teacher as well. It's in our blood. (laughs) Um, And um, I had my sisters. I had aunties, um, my nans, um, cousins. It was just really normal for when someone had a baby to have people that were close to you down tools and love and support on the newborn mother um mm-hmm. so fast forward to 18 years um and i just recently moved to papamoa and um was pregnant so sort of felt like a first time mum again so i joined heaps of um mum groups and or antenatal groups um just really to ricky's a first, was a first time dad with sailor and obviously i've had a lot more experience mm-hmm. with um little people and um so yeah I was meeting all these new mums and I was just sort of looking around at where their support was coming from and a lot of them either um had met uh boys uh, overseas and come back come back to New Zealand with them so there was like English girls and Canadian girls who um had decided to settle in New Zealand because I mean why wouldn't you Mm. but they didn't have their family support with them or their families um, live further away and also um, the retirement age, you know, it's changed. We are having our babies mm-hmm. later and retirement is a lot is a lot later for some people and financially, like, a lot of people's parents still had to keep working, which, um, yeah, it's just sort of dumbfounded mm-hmm. me that they had no support network around them. And, yeah, also um, with social media, there was so much comparison in my mum's groups there is a big issue isn't it it is so huge and I just think it's getting worse Mm. um when I had Jackson we didn't even oh the internet was there but it wasn't on your phone and it was dial up and we all had like these big old PCs (laughs) oh dial up 2001 you still had a landline yeah so there was the the total lack of support like physical support, but also the, um, how people could just dive into Google. And Google yeah. isn't helpful. Mm. Um, it often can make things more overwhelming. Mm. Or you see people's highlight reels on Instagram and you're like, oh my gosh, my baby's not doing that. My baby's not doing that. Yeah. There's something wrong with me yeah. and there's something wrong with my baby. Mm. Yeah, mm. That's <laughs> too easy to just jump online and look things up, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. 
and if you if you want to find that answer you're going to find it you know what i mean Mm. yeah like no matter what the answer is you'll find it on the internet yeah yeah you find what you want to find isn't it exactly exactly (laughs) so um sierra could you just explain to us what a doula is and what you as a doula what your role is yeah, absolutely. So there is two, well, there's sort of three types of doulas. So there's a birth doula that will work with the um, new family um, through pregnancy and birth and very early first days. And then there's a postpartum doula, which is what I do. And there's also an end-of-life doula, which um, walks through sort of the, that um, end-of-life phase um, with families who are, are close to losing someone. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of a new thing. But what I do is um, I work with families when they freshly had their babies. Um, ideally, I would have met them in their antenatal period because my whole, um, my whole ethos is built on relationship. So you have to let me in as a family member. So in order to do that, you have to have relationship and trust. Um, and that's built over time. You can't just yeah. imagine it, like just turn up and expect to have a blooming relationship with someone. Like that's not how any relationship works. So yeah, establish that relationship mm. and then come in and um, really nut out with the family what their core issues are. Um, some people find aspects of motherhood breezy and other people find that those exact same aspects really challenging. Um, some may think that um, they were just going to be absolutely fine, say, in regard to mental health or breastfeeding or, um, or absolutely anything. Um, what else oh, how their relationship works mm. that's always something a really big thing that comes mm. up a lot and a lot of people say it sort of almost quietly like I don't I don't like my husband anymore and I'm like yeah mm. totally hear you like <laughs> it's part of that transition yeah and learning to communicate <laughs> and how that actually works um and and how badly sleep deprivation affects you mm. you know it's a form of torture oh, for yeah. a reason that will nail the strongest person yeah so I yeah I come in and I I just do whatever it is that the family needs so yeah I always bring meals um my mum said never show up at a house empty-handed um and so I never do uh always have frozen nutritious uh postpartum warming meals um I'm very big on sort of Advaic um cooking so really warming nourishing healing foods that are easy to digest because I'm sure you all remember the first postpartum poo you just want that to slide. Oh. You want a sliding situation. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I try and help with that as well. So they either see me weekly or fortnightly, and um, they can message me on WhatsApp whenever they like, and I can support them remotely during that time. Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah this sounds yeah, like the really world's well. best yeah. family member mm. coming in and helping out. <laughs> exactly yes. what I want to be. I want to be thought of as um, an educated older sister. Mm. Slightly mm-hmm. older, but uh. not that much older. <laughs> um, <laughs> or twin. <laughs> oh, I think we're <laughs> But yeah, just, just someone who knows what they're doing. So how would you say your role differs from the LMC midwife in those first few weeks or days um it's so um a postpartum doula is not medically trained so um we cannot and should not and you should not accept medical advice from someone that isn't medically trained um i'm very big on Mm -hmm. that um i know some people can sort of start prescribing their own 
sort of approaches to things. And I think because we're not governed by a body or an organisation, um, that leaves too much leeway. So I'm not medically trained and don't give medical advice, and um, but can put you in the direction of great people to give you that advice. So it's everything that isn't that. Um, so your midwife leaves and hopefully has sort of given you a really nice foundation, but at the same time, um, mm-hmm. once you've left your midwife, you know, you're sort of almost left holding the baby and waiting for the manual to arrive in the mail. Mm. Yeah, you kind of think, is this, is it just us now? Oh, definitely. <gasps> yeah, totally. It's like, oh, who steps in now? Yeah. <sighs> Who's the next person? And there is no next person. And we plan so much for well, conception, pregnancy, birth. But mm. to me, the rubber really hits the road in the postpartum. And also, how often is it that, you know, once you hit that five or six week mark when your time finishes with your LMC, that it's almost like your baby wakes up to the world and then you're like, oh, they don't just sleep all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so many people yes. are, are like, they'll... Um, meet me in the antenatal period and then they'll have their baby and they'll be like this is sweet I think we're good I think we're good and then I'm like cool rock on that sounds choice and then week seven rocks around and they're like please get here within the next 10 to 15 minutes Um, (laughs) and I'm like okay right got it got it Um, so for you what is the importance of routine and attachment well all humans, and especially babies, thrive on things being kind of similar in their day and their night. Like, um, if suddenly, like at 10 o'clock in the morning, you were fed a whole lot and shoved into bed and expected to stay asleep for eight hours, you'd be like, what? What's going on? Because it's not your usual structure. Um, and when I talk about routines, I don't mean really rigid doing things by the book um more about finding rituals Mm -hmm. that work for you and your family and having sort of a basic idea and a basic structure to what your day look like looks like so that you can plan for outings you can plan for people coming over you can plan to go to the groceries or get out for a walk or Mm. you know and then your baby sort of has a vague idea as well as what's going on because each time you do something over and over again good old rote learning you know you're creating Mm. a neural pathway Mm. and you send you know that message back again back again in their brain and it starts to cement it we've actually talked about that a little bit haven't we we're all quite you know really believe in routines and we just said having a routine we feel like it gives us so much more freedom 100% agree with you Yes, so it's it's just like you said, it's nice to be able to know, okay, at 10 o'clock, that's when they get up roughly, so that's when we can go and catch up with this person, or, you know, I know I can do this at this time, rather than thinking, oh, I actually have no idea what time we'll be able to do, catch up with you, or what time's a good time to come around, and you think, oh, I don't know when they'll be up. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And And especially in the evenings, like, I know, for me, especially, I've said to these guys before, I for me I felt like I was felt a bit like myself again after having both the boys when I got my evenings back and could do my normal evening things that I would do whether that's just having dinner with just my husband and I and knowing as soon as you know that actually the baby is going to go into its bed at a time that leaves you some time on your own in the evening that for me was when I 
yeah I felt like I was I felt like myself again yeah so just having that is so good isn't it I'm exactly like you Catherine when I get my evenings back hopefully I will start feeling much a lot much more like myself when she starts going to sleep (laughs) because yeah I just yeah I it's the the time in the evening where I can just do my own thing I think for a lot of people as well that's the time that you are with your partner right you know, once you get the kid yeah. in, kids in bed, it's like, oh, so how are you? Totally. Yeah, exactly. And not having some, like, I don't know about you, but I don't have someone sucking on my boob for eight hours a day. Um, mm. So you, I mean, if you do, <laughs> no judgment, no shame. Um, but, you know, like it's quite a big adjustment to have some, being touched yes. all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and it's just really nice to not be touched. Absolutely. Um, for a couple of hours and, you know. Yeah. Maybe you'll touch your husband or your partner. Maybe. That's cool. Um, but maybe not. <laughs> or maybe you won't. <laughs> Sometimes I get into bed and I'm like, yeah, no, sorry, I'm touched out today. Totally. <laughs> no cuddling. Totally. And that's a real big thing, like with being able to communicate that and just say it's it's yeah. literally, it's not you, it's not me, it's actually the baby. Yeah. Um, and our connection will come back. It's just going to look a bit different for now. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest mm. things is being able to communicate that and um, create other forms of connection that aren't necessarily um, intimacy. Yes, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. So important, because you still want to feel connected. Yes, and it's so important that you, it's great that you're there at that time, because I think so many people do. You question in the first few days, like, is our relationship going to be Mm -hmm. like this forever, or are we ever going to go back to being the people that we were before having a baby? And I think just having someone there to reassure you that, this is normal Mm. everyone goes through something like this and it's not forever totally (laughs) and I I love like sort of a couple of months down the track and I've been working with the family for a while and I'll get a message from one of my clients saying oh my god we did it we had sex for the first time and it was great and I'll be like (laughs) yes queen um but they sort of had worked themselves into quite a tism about you know not being ready to have sex and they thought that was going to be like a deal breaker yeah. and I'm like nah you just got to talk about it mm. like uh, sex isn't the be all yeah. and end all but it's finding that connection and it could be just um you know a forehead kiss going past them while they're mm. stacking a dishwasher smacking their butt mm. um words of affirmation <laughs> you know like knowing what their love language is and mm. just tapping into it tapping as well because I think there's also pressure out there that it's like right you've hit the six week mark you yes. can get back into it yeah and it's like what yep. if what if I'm yep. not ready for that yeah <laughs> yep. totally totally and I always yeah. say that's a and, guideline oh and feeling like insecure <laughs> totally your body's yes. so different and I mean I don't know if many people mm. know that um, you know, the same hormone of when you're breastfeeding, oxytocin, is the same hormone that you have if you have an orgasm. Mm. So, hello, milk mm. going everywhere. And you're like, okay, wasn't ready for that. Um, is they that do, my new they trick? Oh, 100%. No. You're like, wow, is, it, is this what we do now? Is, is this what we do? Yeah. Lactation is super sexy. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that went off on a tangent, didn't it? It did. Oh. <laughs> um, I actually had, while we were talking about that, one thing I thought that we didn't ask earlier, how long do you normally work with a family for? 
It's a great question. Um, mm. It goes anywhere from one visit, um, which I call a petite package, and it's just sort of double-checking everything is going okay, answering sort of uh, questions that they've pre-prepared for me and maybe coaching them through on a few smaller issues um, through to a couple of months. Um, mums that have gone going through particularly um, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and mm. actually feel like a complete failure, um, often they're at ground zero, and it is a massive um, rebuild project, and we do it really slowly um, because it's actually them that needs to do it. I coach them with the tools to empower them and educate them, and I'll stand beside them, but I don't actually do the hard work for them. They do that, so you know I'll. Here we go for the education word, but I'm the scaffolding. Yeah. Um, and just slowly mm. but surely rebuild them um, to the point where they feel confident enough in their own decisions as a parent. But for them to have that support from you must just be invaluable. And, you know, just to have someone there that, you know, when it feels like someone else is in your corner, that's so, yeah, that's awesome. Totally. Mm. And I know we said someone that's like a part of your family, but I think important that you're also not part of their family in those moments because I imagine it's incredibly hard sometimes to have those um, discussions with your nearest and dearest totally and yeah so I'm removed but yeah close but removed Mm. so they can actually have Mm. that honesty with me as well with um, you know like there is still a few boundaries in place um, but yeah, I just find that people, yeah. because I, I'm, I don't hold anything, like I'm not, they're not going to see me at Christmas lunch. Um, you know, they can just absolutely yeah. unravel and they can tell me, like I get told a lot of things and I take that, that confidence mm-hmm. um, very seriously. Like I get entrusted with yeah. some pretty, pretty big secrets as such or statements. Um, and I take, yeah, I, take, I find mm-hmm. it really important that I am, the keeper of those and I'm entrusted with those mm. yeah you, you touched on like postnatal depression and things like that we've also we saw on your page that you also talked around about postnatal depletion mm-hmm. so I I had actually never heard of that before so could you just okay. just what it no. tell us what it is and how it differs to postnatal depression sure so with um, postnatal depletion, around 50% of birthing people will go through postnatal depletion. There is a few correlating factors mm. with postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety, but they are very different things. So um, I guess sort of just to sum it up, this is because pregnancy, birth and early postpartum are really, really hard times. You literally get depleted. You know, Mm. everything, all your reserves go Mm. into making a baby, growing a baby, birthing a baby. And then once you think your work's done, then you've got to feed the baby. Yeah. And also, you know, repair from the inside out um, on lack of sleep, um, very basic nutrition. And, um, you know, just just your basic needs aren't being met um, that you're used to. Um, I don't know if you found it, but when you're pregnant and you're glowing and you've got that your body is just gorgeous and you've got the mermaid here, you know, all the attention and the focus is on you. (laughs) And then as soon as you give birth, Mm. that attention goes to the newborn. And we literally Mm. neglect our newborn mothers. And it's so true, isn't it? I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Mm. And often postnatal depletion isn't picked up until baby's about three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So if you can pick it up earlier, amazing. 
but often it's just something that's ongoing and once you're behind the eight ball you're you keep being behind the eight ball so you know you might stop breastfeeding but you're still actually like lagging behind and vital nutrients and um and sleep and just everything like that hierarchy Mm. of needs that your body goes through you know like keeping your organs alive um you know your heart beating and then the next thing is breastfeeding Mm. so if it's not an essential Mm. it goes by the by so you slowly are eating and eating and eating into your reserves and then you're just meant to carry on with life as you said no one lets you tap out and um sort of reinvest Mm. in yourself and i think that's one of the hardest things postpartum is the realization that you can't really tap out at the start or you don't feel like you can tap out you really feel like you're it you are the lifeline for this baby and and so yeah you have to put them first yeah definitely and then you've got the the whole maternal gatekeeping that goes on as well um where naturally as the birthing person we can do things bigger better faster stronger than our partners but Mm. we need to let them find their own way of doing things um, they need to learn how to do it in, in their fashion, um, which won't be right, okay? <laughs> it's, and that's fine. Move yourself from the room, yeah. um, but let them find their way. Otherwise, you are the holder of all the knowledge. And then, mm. you know, like, especially if you're um, hen-picking them, so they're giving it a go and trying to learn how to do a skill with a baby, and you're like, no, do it this way. Oh, I can't believe you put it there. In the end, they're going to go, cool, mate, you do it yourself then. Yeah. Okay, mm. um, so empowering mm. your partner and your village to step in, and in turn, you need to be humble and surrender and go, I can't do it all. Yes, okay. and I won't do it all. Mm. Which oh, is hard. So hard. I'm, I'm never <laughs> saying that was easy. Um, you know, and it's something that I've had to remind myself of all the time. As Ricky, like Ricky, will say to me. Do you want to listen to a podcast on the podcast on the beach, mate? And that's his sign of. You're, you're getting close to psycho um <laughs> tap out and that's my grounding is I literally I grab my phone I'm a huge pod, podcast fan and I will just walk for half an hour on the beach and I come back a new human it's like you know mm. something changes mm. with me on the beach and just getting myself out of that space do you think that this is far worse in the western world because of the way that we operate in the postpartum period now or specifically New Zealand I just I know so many of my friends who've had babies in other cultures have have it so differently postpartum and I think why on earth are we not doing it like that 110% all of my training comes from sort of eastern practice or um just just Mm. that whole 40 days alone like let alone the the fourth trimester but that 40 days when the mother is resting and her her jobs are to eat go use the bathroom and feed that baby and learn how to feed because I don't know about you but breastfeeding Mm. is an art and that takes time Mm. to learn Mm -hmm. and people assume that um they give birth and then like it's not like they can pull these jugs of milk out of the fridge and that's that that's their functioning breast then. If only. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. It's a supply yeah. and demand. And, yeah. you know, you've got a baby off your, hanging on your boob for a lot of the time. And it's not a fun time. So, you know, mm. like bringing it back to basics, um, Eastern cultures have it nailed. Like at least having those 40 days to recoup and sleep mm. 
and imagine it like talk about game changer just having 40 days just to replenish yourself learn how to breastfeed heal your body get your get your headspace in a good space and prepare yourself for the next 40 years and they literally say those first 40 days set you up for the next 40 years and I completely believe Mm -hmm. that oh wow Oh yeah, coming out after you know, coming out of that space after forty days, I think you would feel so differently than we potentially do coming out of those that space after yep. six hours. Exactly. You know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something to be said. I read something today actually about is it five 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 as a postpartum model where you do um, five days in bed right. and then five days on the bed is in that's where you base yourself and you can go out and get things but you stay in the bed and then five days at the bed I think it is where is that the is that the one and it just means you have 15 days where that is your base and you're not expected to leave the house or do anything but you're slowly moving away from lying in bed yeah I've heard sort of different versions of that but definitely along the same sort of lines Mm. um you know I always say Mm. to the woman that I work with antenatally when they come to my workshops, I literally give them a year calendar and they circle their due date and I get them to cross out 12 weeks afterwards mm-hmm. and just say, write it off now, write right. it off. Don't plan anything, mm-hmm. don't book anything, Don't your partner shouldn't get a new job, you shouldn't be moving house. Um, you want to keep things as basic as possible. And yes, life happens, you know, like th- things happen or, you know, there is family situations but don't plan for them. Mm-hmm. So I literally get them to cross it out and they write a letter to themselves in the antenatal period. And when it comes to their uh, 12 weeks after their due date, I send them the letter that they've written themselves. Oh, that's really oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. And that, I always get feedback from it just saying, oh my gosh, that was perfect timing. Oh, I was questioning so nice. every yeah. decision in my life and I got that letter. And it's so nice to get a letter that isn't a oh, bill. Gorgeous. Yeah. Because that's all mm. I get in the mail. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. I think like women just feel, well, I know I felt it and I'm sure lots of others feel like they need to get back to being normal and get on with their life as soon as possible like they can after having a baby but is there also now pressures from social media as well you see people that have had babies and four days later they're out for this big walk and you think oh my gosh should I be doing or like having a like going out for brunch and things with this tiny little baby and I'm like how are you doing that when I'm still in my pajamas and I've got milk all down the front of me (laughs) it's so unhelpful seeing like those little snippets on Instagram um, because they are yeah. just snippets mm. and mm. you know I'm I'm mm. just as guilty of putting highlight reel up you know when things are fun and good it's only recently that I thought I need to practice what I preach and I've been doing some sort of mum truce or telling some little yarns about things that have happened in my life and they've been really well received and I think it is because I'm just being honest mm. and yeah um you know mm. show me a perfect parent and I'll prove prove you wrong yeah you know if you're not struggling in one area you'll be struggling in another and it's just a facade that you put on that shows okay yep I've got my things together in this this particular situation but you know I think it's if you put all of your um, possible stories you could do on Instagram it would add up to 15 it's either 7 or 15 minutes um there's a lot more minutes and hours in a day in the day absolutely yeah and it's remembering that you are 
Like you are the perfect parent for your baby as you 100%. are, isn't it? They, they just they don't care that you you know haven't washed your hair in a week or that um, you know you've been tired and grumpy or whatever. Like they just adore you, and they don't um, care if they're going out for brunch or not, do they? <laughs> Eggs Benny means nothing to them, absolutely nothing to them. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about your antenatal course? So. What what you what? How's it different from the Plunkett courses or Parent Centre or anything? Um, like that? It's completely different because it's not an antenatal course, so it's taught in the antenatal okay. period, but it's absolutely nothing to do with pregnancy oh, or yeah. birth. It's everything to do with the postpartum. Postpartum, sorry, but oh, I teach amazing. it in the antenatal period because you've actually got like you think you don't have much time when you're pregnant. But then you have a baby and that's when you really don't have any time. <laughs> so the idea is to prep <laughs> yeah. you for it. Um, so, yeah. So I teach it in the antenatal period with the idea as well that they will meet other women or birthing people um, that are going through the exact same season of them at a similar time. So, um, you know, I only connected with one person at my um, antenatal cl- course initially. And I was a bit bummed because I, I thought I was doing that to get a village. And to get sort of people rallying around, yes. around me, um, but I didn't find them there. So I really make make it quite a, a big thing where we do heaps and heaps of um, interactive activities, so they can start to bond together and um, yeah, connect with each other before they have their babies. I love that you're building your village for postpartum. That's... Totally, and your village can be made up of the most random people ever. Like it's always the the craziest people that come out of the woodwork um but you've also got to voice it to those people and say I do need some help and I do need some support because people aren't mind readers Mm. you know if they're only seeing your Instagram highlight reel they'll be like wow Georgia's nailing it Mm. like she's sweet she doesn't need any meals oh I won't pop in and help her out because she's fine but meanwhile Georgia's like Help. sleeping under Mount Washmore <laughs> yeah um yeah with leaky boobs and <laughs> hasn't eaten more than peanut butter toast for three days you have literally just described me <laughs> <laughs> how did Sarah how did you know <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and I'd never think to plan for postpartum after I'd had my first baby and then you realize Actually, that's the most important part to plan for. You know, you can't actually plan for a birth, yep. really. You can plan for your postpartum support and you can plan for what that's going to look like. And even if that's just getting lots of meals in the freezer and things like that, mm-hmm. that's so... I remember my mum mm. said that to me. She was like, try and get lots of stuff in the freezer. And that was a godsend yep. for us. Yep, 100%. Because you still got to eat. Yes. Like, got to have... You're making milk as well. Yeah. So... You know, you thought you were hungry in pregnancy. Well, you level up when you are breastfeeding. And don't even get me started on the mm. dries where you're just like mm. so thirsty. You feel like you've just got to drink 14 litres of water <laughs> in order to quench that thirst. Mm. Um, you know, and there's nothing worse than being nap trapped, being hangry and not being able to reach your drink bottle. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, oh, yeah. that's a rough deal. Yeah, especially when you have no idea how long that nap's going to last. But you don't dare risk waking them up. Oh, my gosh. And you will pee your pants yeah. over oh. waking that baby. Yeah. You'll be like, where's the pump bottle? Because I'm going to pee in it. It's happening. Do you have, like, three top tips for how to plan for postpartum or your three top tips you give to people in your in your course that they sh- without, 
you know, yeah. spoiler alert, for what you think they should have um, Definitely meals. And if someone yep. offers to set you up a meal train, the correct answer is yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some people go, I'll be fine. Thanks, Mally. I don't need your help. I'm okay. You do. You need Mally as your yeah. best mate who knows you mm-hmm. well to set up a roster for two weeks of people that come and they're not visitors. They come and they drop off a meal and they're like, hey guys, here's your meal. See you later. They're not there to hang out or to hold the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so the meals will be something that's super important. One thing I think as well is dinner is important, but often as mums, it's the lunch. You know, yeah. especially once your yeah. partner mm. or whoever goes back to work and say if you're at home all day. it's So the next one would be um, a blanket-wide visitor message. Um, I have a saying that I use yeah. that says, no visitors, only staff. And that's for the, <laughs> the um, first month. So if people come, well, they come with a purpose. So they're bringing you a meal or they look around and actually see what needs to be done. Um, they don't expect you to make a cup of tea and give them some uh, some nice fresh baking. Um, they're there for a purpose. So say you have a, um, have a dog. They've got a dog too. They pick up your dog, they take the dog for a walk, or they pick up Hugh and mm. take him for a run around in the park so that you can have a nap um, with Hector. I think I saw something similar and it said, you know, if you if your friends had a baby and you don't feel comfortable going around and doing the vacuuming at their house, you definitely shouldn't be there in the first month then. That is so good. Yeah. But yeah, no visitors, only staff. And that it doesn't and you blanket everyone with it. So you might be thinking of a particular three people that you know are gonna come over and go, Could you wake the baby, lovey? <sighs> No, I cannot. So you get your partner to send out um, like a group email or on Messenger that covers everyone. So everyone's given the same message. Um, so no one feels like they're being singled mm, out, yeah. even though you're totally singling out Auntie Shirley. <laughs> then if people are coming to visit, then they text first and they text your partner. So the admin is not yours. Mm. Um, and then I'd probably say the last mm. part of really key advice is having a really big chat around your expectations with your partner. And that's what I do in the Becoming Us workshop mm. that I've just um, started this year. I've been, I've run a few of those this year. And it's all about um, nurturing your primary relationship, which is with your partner, um, in the first year postpartum. Mm-hmm. Navigating that. And, um, yeah, and that you do that with your partner. And it's big. It's it's a real game changer for some people. Yeah, that's some amazing. People. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's such great advice because you actually, you know, I'm sure as couples, I know we did, I'm sure you guys did, you talk about um, the ideals and what it's going to look like when your parents and the the cool things you're going to do with your baby and toddler and child. It's exciting, but actually sitting down and and talking about what it might look like as a couple, um, being parents and yeah your expectations for it what you think you might mm-hmm. find hard all of those things so, so important. important and mm-hmm. so overlooked um it's so yeah. romanticized mm. they're like oh we'll sort it out when we get to it but you don't have any capacity when that yeah. time comes yeah you actually mm. are like tapped out and you know the oh, last yeah. thing you want to do is be having like a deep and meaningful chat about something right in um, that exact time um you know you're you're maxed out Mm. so yeah um 
Also, sorry, when I go back to the delivered workshops, we cover things like um, protecting your mental health and um, signs that it might be needing some support. Um, Yeah, we have amazing guest speakers because, yeah, I've had a couple of kids, but I've also had them a while ago. So I get guest speakers Mm -hmm. that have just come out of Mm -hmm. the fourth trimester um, to come in and talk about their experience. And they bring their real-life babies in. So these women (laughs) who have got these yummy pukus uh, can actually see, oh, wow, a baby does happen. And you come out the other side (laughs) and they give their tips and tricks on what they found awesome in the fourth trimester, what they found challenging, and what advice they would give themselves if they were back in the pregnant woman's position. Yeah, those are great tips. I love the mental health one in that even just saying to your partner, if I, you know, if I say this or you start to see me you know, frantically cleaning at 2 o'clock in the morning, then that's a sign that something's not right. You know, I'm, I'm telling you now, there's no doubt about mm. it. And that's when you need to step in and, and you need to ask me. Absolutely. If I'm okay. And I think that just sort of segues into that. Um, the signs and symptoms of maternal mental health issues are not the standard signs of, say, clinical depression or clinical anxiety. They're quite different. Um, mm. And being able to know what they are, recognize them, and then know what appropriate action is. Um, is super key right I feel like this would be such a good gift for somebody at a baby shower is what a great gift is like banding together and getting like a voucher for a postpartum doula for somebody that's happening more and more so um, with COVID I have a lot of mums who are overseas so grandmas who are overseas and they'll say my daughter's been talking about you we'd love to, um, to pay for you to work with them which is great, oh, and yeah. giving the delivered workshop um, as a baby shower gift, mm. which has been That's so great. great. And I make little personalised vouchers for them. Um, and the cool thing is that they also get a massive goodie bag, so they get a present and the gift of education. And it's like, are you not winning? Oh. Like, And the, the goodie bag's <laughs> worth nearly $300 in itself. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. The course is only $110, and that includes a mm. mean feed as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, it's a great gift. I need to have a chat with my mum. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've seen you on your page talk a little bit about burping and reflux, Sarah. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts around all of that? Oh, I like a bit of scandal. Um, yeah, there is, a, there is a bit of talk and a bit of research that's sort of gone on around that, and I'm relatively up to date for this. Um, but I also don't believe that any baby or family can be delivered um, just a blanket prognosis or a diagnosis. Um, you know, there are so many factors that go into one burping, um, and if you're going to burp a baby, you're not actually causing any harm. And I find it quite a nice job to pass the baby over to your partner Mm. um, and give, you know, Mm. so you're not causing any harm by burping your baby um, and your your partner gets to connect with your baby. You get five minutes to go and pee by yourself, which, praise Jesus, is such an amazing thing. (laughs) And, um, or make a snack or, I don't know, have a shower if you're feeling crazy. But yeah, so. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Um. Oh, yeah. A shower is a real treat, actually. Even now, four four months, I'm like, 
Okay, I get to shower like twice a week and it's five minutes. Max. And that is the only alone time I get all week. Totally. <laughs> oh, Molly, we need to come over and take <sighs> a baby for a bit. <laughs> I have one friend that whenever I message her, she sends me back a selfie and she's either in a towel naked or in the shower or bath because she's hiding from her three <laughs> girls who are five and under. Um, <laughs> oh, and that's gosh. her only alone time. And she goes, it's like you know. And she's in the Hawke's Bay. Like, she is not close to me. Um, she's another educator. so And she's amazing. But anytime I message her, she gives me back a selfie of her partially nude. And I'm like, oh, we are in tune, girl. We are in tune. But that's her alone time. Isn't it bad, though, that, like, a shower is alone time? Like, today, I went to the mm. dentist. And I was like, oh, a treat. Oh, I lay there with my eyes shut. I was like, this is amazing. I have... <laughs> an hour to myself and I was like hang on a second I'm at the dentist this is not fun yeah oh yeah yeah I my first time away from both the boys when they were born was to go and get my smear and Matt was like oh was that a nice break and I was like um I just had a smear I definitely don't think that qualifies (laughs) as a break that does not oh gosh that is bad um so yeah I think also a lot of parents at, the, at a stage of desperation, will um, self-diagnose their babies with reflux. Um, reflux is a very complicated situation, and it needs to be handled by professionals, um, not just Google or what um, you know. Penelope at Space Group is is telling you that what that's what happened with their baby. Um, you know, it's mm. a very holistic approach that needs to be taken. There's a lot that needs to be considered. Um, Yeah, and I I totally get it. Like, if you have an unsettled baby, you're searching for answers. And reflux seems to be something that um, isn't necessarily a cure, but it's an answer why. And those those mums with unsettled babies, I my heart just breaks for them. But more often than not, it is a developmental stage that will come eventually. And I know those are really hard words to hear. um, That it is a developmental thing. Reflux is it's a very, very small percentage of babies that have true reflux. And I know that is a really hard thing to hear. Um, but it, there are so many factors that actually go into that diagnosis. And the drugs that they need to give a, a true reflux baby are drugs that are made for adults. Um, they're not made mm. for babies. Mm. So I'd be very, very, like I'm, I'm totally pro if the baby needs it. But it is, it's a need-based yeah. thing and it's an assessment-based thing. And there's a lot of things that um, a medical professional can recommend, including things like osteo and chiro and um, changing what your, mm. your diet is, um, different ways of sleeping your baby before they'll even diagnose with reflux. So, yeah, I can, t- mm. I can totally understand why people sort of jump at the opportunity to give whatever their baby's going through a label. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. What do you find really helps then when you're with a family who have an unsettled baby? It's supporting the parents, um, finding ways mm. for them to yeah. tap out. And self-care isn't a shower. It isn't going to the grocery store. It's doing <sighs> something that fills your cup. Um, and it doesn't have to, it's not like mm. how it used to look where self-care would be getting your hair done or a massage or nails or, you know, for me, it's walking on the beach. It's just having some time and some space where no one's asking me for anything. So what if what key supports do you think 
mums need in that fourth trimester what, are there any certain things that you say no mum should have to live without on those that fourth trimester well my I truly believe and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna achieve this um is to have nationwide postnatal education how um it's accessible and free for um people to have antenatal education but postnatal education is seen as a luxury so therefore it's user pace um, and not just for birthing people, but for medical professionals and supplementary practitioners so that we are able to wrap around new parents while they find their new normal. Um, and so I think that's really, really key. I mean, as educators, as all of you being educators, you understand that like knowledge and education is power mm. and setting it people yeah. up with um, mm. quality villages so that they can mm. have someone to reach out to for support and... I, just, I try and model the um, just being really transparent and if things are rough, to say things are rough mm-hmm. rather than, no, yeah. no, things are fine. It's like, oh, are they? Are they fine? Um, and it'll take, like, a, if, you, if you actually, like, go into, like, a serious depression, postpartum depression or even postpartum psychosis, that, that's a long way to climb back from than if you'd had a fence at the top of the cliff mm. rather than the ambulance at the bottom. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, isn't it? Um, so we like to end the podcast w- podcast with a question. Um, and the question we have today is, what is one baby product or just an item that you couldn't live without? If it's a dool- getting a doula, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, well, it definitely would be like ideal. But if it's actual, like, hands-on product that you can have would be Bonds Wonder Suits. Oh, yes. No no buttons around here. <laughs> no, buttons of the devil. And you get a punami yeah. and you've got a two-way zip. You've got a chance of winning. Yeah. Um, but, yes. yeah, like anything with tutus, frills, buttons, domes, no thank you. Um, and, like, Bonds onesies go from day to night, yeah. night to day. Um, and they're just, they have mm. short versions for summer and long versions for winter. And if they made them for me, I would wear them. Yes. Yeah. And they go till so old, don't they? Like yeah. our two-year-old wears My three-year-old has got one on tonight. I actually just put my, um, my two in matching. They're, they've both got the yellow and white striped one. They're in their matching ones tonight. Can you please send me a photo? Because yes. that just works me so really cute. hard. <laughs> I love things like that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Sarah, for talking to us. I feel like we've learned so much in this time talking to you. I really do. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And we'd really appreciate it if you could give us, if you could follow us or give us a rating. Um, You can also find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz. And don't forget to keep an eye out for our sleep store giveaway this week. Uh, We hope you all have a great week. Stay safe and see you next week. Bye. Yeah. Bye. See ya.